You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So he's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the locker room. And we have Brian McFadden, who's won two Super Bowls. And uh, in 2005, he was a second-round draft pick. Brian, how you going, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you for guys for having me on, man. It's a great day to be alive. Yeah. Bryant McFadden. Yeah. Dude, it's nice to have you back. I remember watching you as a young buck. You come in in 05. Yeah. And uh, you you promptly go on to two Super Bowls. You know, I got to tell you something. Chalooch and I have been around here a long time. Yeah. All right? We're old guys. Yeah. You come rolling in and you go Super Bowl twice. Did you think it was going to kind of be a yearly thing the way it started off? Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because you know, I get drafted in 2005. You know, I was a second rounder. You know, with guys like Heath Miller. You know, uh, uh, we had an outstanding rookie class: Trey Essence, man, Juice, man, uh, Ryan Wallace, man. Even the free agents: Nate Washington, Arnold Harrison, Andre Frazier. The list can go on and on and on. And we come there, and I remember. When we went to the symposium, which was in Palm Beach, and Ray Jackson, who was a player yeah. uh, development uh, yeah. guy then, we we all we worked out while we were in Palm Beach together. Like our entire rookie class worked out together. And now we're at the symposium where we're supposed to be relaxing, right. going over some of the the obligations for the NFL. We were training. We were trying to get better. And at that moment, we all felt like our rookie class could really be impactful for this organization at some point in time in 2005. And we we all made our plays. We all made strides. And just to answer your initial question, yeah, I felt like we were supposed to go to Super Bowl every year because as a rookie, when you win it all, you don't know anything else outside of winning a championship. Yeah. So when we didn't get when we didn't go to the playoffs in year two, I was like, "Oh my goodness, the world is coming to an end." We didn't even go to the playoffs. <laughs> so, Brian, uh, you know, you are a hard worker, and uh, you are a great player. And so, what were the highlights of your career? Oh my goodness, it's uh, it's quite a few. Number one, one of my highlights were talking with you guys earlier in my career in Latrobe, PA. That's when I felt like I was a big deal because you guys are so well-respected around the organization and around Pittsburgh. And I remember I did an interview with you guys, and we were talking about the Madden video game, and I was, you know, gloating about how good I was. But that's one of my highlights, going back to my room. I don't know if you guys remember that. But I, I do. We do. We do. We love you, Brian. We love yeah, you, we, Brian. We always thought so highly of yeah. you, young man. We always yeah. thought so highly of you. I appreciate it, but I think uh, one of the bigger highlights of my career was my rookie year, the play I made against Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne. Oh, um, yes. At that time, when at, at the bus, just f- finished, uh, fumbled the football, and the yes. sudden change we had to develop as a defender going from the sideline, celebrating to now we got to try to stop them from scoring or getting in the field goal range, and just being able to come up and, and, and deliver in that moment when I was the only rookie on the football field yes. with so many Hall of Famers. You know, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. I was covering the Hall of Fame wide receiver, a potential Hall of Fame wide receiver, and just being able to break up that pass that led to us winning that ball game, that led to us getting the fifth 
Super Bowl, and eventually, you know, to get the sixth, you got to get the fifth. And being able to get that fifth Super Bowl, uh, especially for Jerome Bennis, you know, mm-hmm. we know that was his last year, and being able to, uh, you know, play a hand in Coach Coward getting his championship ring as well, uh, I think that was the most uh, – the, the biggest moment in my career in Pittsburgh was my rookie year that moment. Brian, I, I got to ask you this, man, because I remember I was down on the sidelines. I saw James Ferrier behind the bench giving his gloves to some fan there, you know, because everything it's, it's all over. All Bussy's got to do is, he, you know, yes. Jerome's taking the ball. He's going into the end zone and you guys are on your way to the next step. And all of a sudden the ball comes out, I remember Tunch on the air was screaming, "Oh no, oh <laughs> and, no!" And, and all of a sudden, you guys got somebody tackle him. Yeah, somebody tackle him, and you guys got to flip the switch from already putting aside. We won the game too. We got to save the game. What yeah. was that like? Well, it was it was crazy because it was a surreal moment. You talk about James Ferrier giving his gloves to the the Steeler fans in the stadium. The rest of us was talking crazy to the Colts fans because they were just heckling us the entire game. Remember, early in the year we went to Indianapolis right. and they beat us bad. Yes, so they felt like you know they were the better team and they were one of the better better teams in National Football League that year. So we were celebrating. So when we heard the uproar, we weren't actually looking at the play. We were talking trash to the fans. And then we were like, why? And no. we we assumed. We assumed that we scored, so we were like, why are their fans cheering for our touchdown? Yeah. And then we happened to turn around. When we turned around, we saw Nick Harper running with the football, and it went from, like, what did we miss to what's going on to, oh, Ben, please get him down. Ben got him down. <laughs> coach LeBeau was like, defense on the field. And I remember when we all ran on the football field, our coaching staff, they were so stunned that we didn't get a call. James Fair was in the huddle like, Dickie, give us a call. Yeah. Us a call. <laughs> and Coach LeBeau was kind of like shocked as well. And James was just hollering, Dickie, give us something. And now he gave us a call, and we were like instantly, man, let's get a stop. Yeah, let's you know, when we, when we played the Denver Broncos in the playoffs and we beat them, uh, you know, I came off the field and I started talking trash to the uh, the fans because they were heckling me. This is back me. in our day, and, Brian. And, and, uh, and uh uh, the big kahuna, our offensive line coach, said, don't, 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 don't do that. No, no, you got to let them know, especially when you taste that, that that taste of victory and they've been talking so much trash. Yeah. And that's the thing I love. My rookie year, I really love traveling on the road a lot because we were – we were so hated by their fans, especially Cleveland. They were throwing batteries at us. They were talking so much trash. But just having that, the victory of having the final laugh was super prideful for all of us. And we got the final laugh in the RCA Dome that day. Now, let me ask you this. Compare that and contrast that with Super Bowl Forty Three. You're down in Tampa. Big Another Super Bowl is tremendous and everything, but it's a different perspective. Number one, you're not a rookie anymore. Number two, you're a seasoned veteran. Uh, what was it like? And the first one was all about Bussy. There's no question. And the, and the second one was, was different. Let us know. Yeah, the second was, it was a little more about trying to, uh, you know, cement our legacy yeah. in the National Football League. You know, add our legacy to, to a story organization. Being the first to get six, to have six sticky Lombardis. And our class, my rookie class, you know, played a hand in getting two of those Lombardis, the fifth and the sixth. So that year, we were rolling. And we, we felt like we were the best team. We played against – we had the toughest schedule. I remember going into that season. I was home in South Florida, and they released the schedules. 
and we had the toughest schedule, and everybody predicted us to miss the playoffs and finish no no better than third in our division. Mm. I mean, that was a slap in the face. So going into that season, it was about proving people wrong and making every game a statement game to the entire NFL. And it started with our defense. So that Super Bowl, when we played against Arizona, remember, we were favorites. We had a better record than they did. We could have had the number one seed in Tennessee, but we lost that final game, I think, in the regular season to Kerry Collins and the Titans. But going into the playoffs, we knew we were the better team. We felt we were so confident. But when we played against Arizona, I mean, we played against a bunch of Hall of Famers. Now, they started to reach their peak. They, they reminded us, a lot of us, in 05. When they got into the playoffs, they were playing some of their best-inspired football. Mm-hmm. So, for us, you know, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame running back in Adrian James, potential Hall of Fame pass catchers in Larry Fitzgerald and Quan Bowden, and they were rolling. So, we just didn't want to have the biggest letdown in the most important ball game, which was the Super Bowl. And defensively, we didn't play our best ball game. And I remember Mike Tomlin telling us that last drive after San Antonio caught that touchdown, he brought us on the sideline. He said, great defenses win championships. You guys were great the entire year, but that means nothing if we don't win this championship. And it makes sense. Think about last year, right? The best defense in the National Football League was who? The San Francisco 49ers. But mm. you would never talk about their defense among the greats because they never won a championship. Right. And that was something that we all had in our memory going onto the football field for that final drive. Man, if we want to be in that conversation with some of the greatest defenses that ever play in Pittsburgh, some of the greatest defenses that ever play in the National Football League, we got to win this championship. And because of that, you can always throw our name in that conversation and have a valid debate because we brought home a chip. So, Bryant, uh, I heard you were in broadcasting. What's that like? Are you are you enjoying it? Man, this is the the the, the next best thing I can do outside of running around trying to cover wide receivers. <laughs> I still feel like I'm a part of the game, and you guys know this. You know, you right. guys played, and then of course, of course got into broadcasting, and you still feel connected. You know, you get a chance to see guys like myself come in as a rookie, and now you're talking to me as a full-grown man, and right. we share stories, and you you have other stories with some other, so many other great players that came through the organization. And I just love football. I love talking ball. I love talking. The the, the 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 strategic side of things, you know, the game plan, and just giving my unbiased opinion about certain things and making people understand the game better. You know what I mean? Being informative while being entertaining, and it's the next best thing I could do. And that's why when I knew my career was coming to a halt, coming to an end, I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. I wanted to do something that I love because when you're doing what you love to do it doesn't feel like it's a job. Right. It feels it feels like your life. It's a part yeah. of your life. It's not work. You're not waking up to go to work. You're doing what you love to do. You're passionate about it. So I never wanted to have that feel that I'm working. No, this doesn't feel like work. This feels like when I breathe, when I inhale, exhale. It's a part of me, and broadcasting has been able to provide that element to my life, and I have no complaints with it. What's your favorite type of broadcasting? Because some people, like, you do TV, you do radio, you do podcasting, you do all these things, Bryant, and you're very, very good. I've yeah. watched you since you've retired, and by the way, yeah, you do real well. So that's but, why we wanted to get you on as a rookie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, here's the thing about it. Watching you on TV, see, you got tv looks okay guys like me we i got the face for a radio Radio. okay we got the face for radio (laughs) so how do you what do you like you like tv you like radio and by the way the other reason i like radio is usually there's no dress code and usually there's free food associated with it so 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like both. I like radio because of what you said. You can be relaxed. You can be comfortable. Yes. And the thing about radio, you can kind of get off stri- off script a little bit, and no yeah. one really knows. You know, you can take the show left, right, wherever, and no one really knows because that's what radio provides. When you're on television, <laughs> everything is kind of skip a script oriented. But then when it comes to TV, you can kind of people can kind of see the energy. Right. That, that, that's the thing I love about being being visual. They can see the passion. Radio, they can feel it, they can hear it, but then they necessarily can't really see it. You know, the best way I can explain to listeners who've never been in this field before, just imagine listening to a football game and watching a football game. You know what I mean? Right. Enjoy both. But sometimes you want to see that energy that's associated with the team or with the stadium. So that that's I love doing both because both are extremely the radio is so flexible. That's the thing about, you know, having the flexibility to be in ball shorts or be in a in a, in a, in a, in a, in 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 a, uh, athletic apparel and, and just right. go about your business. And then when it comes to television you gotta get more professional, but then you can <laughs> kinda show the energy that you have whatever when it comes to talking about whatever it is you're talking about. Brian, we have way in Wednesday <laughs> for Wolf. Yeah, I, I've, I've struggled a little bit with that. Okay, <laughs> he's the three hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, now I got to ask you something because you know, first of all, you, the energy you 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 bring is so readily apparent. I mean, you you can you just sense it over the airwaves or TV. Yeah. Let me ask you, who kind of influenced you along? Who spoke big things into your life as a young man and who influenced you as a coach maybe? Uh, maybe the great Dick LeBeau, but who were the, the people that kind of spoke some life into your life as you grew up? Um, my mom, mm-hmm. you know, growing up and, you know, she basically raised me by herself. Mm. always spoke positivity in my life. Right. You know, she always said, you can speak whatever it is you want to do into this world. Speak it into existence and believe it. And faith without action is dead. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to have faith in doing whatever it is you want to do, but you have to provide action behind that. And that action is working. That action is being prepared when the opportunity comes. And it's, I, I associate that with football, but it's, it's the same ingredient you need to have in life. You know, for us playing football our entire life, we've been, you know, regiment-oriented for such a long time. Train, practice, play a game. Train, practice, play a game. If we took that same mindset into whatever it is we want to do outside of football, we have no other choice but to be successful. Because when you work hard and you believe in the work that you're doing, you're prepared. And when you're prepared, failure is not an option. Yeah. Nothing but success is an option. And then to answer your second question, uh, I, I've had the, the 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 opportunity in being so blessed when it comes to to the football world to be around some of the best football minds that have ever been created. Mm. Starting in my collegiate days, Bobby Bowden oh. recruited me. He was my head coach. Mm-hmm. Mickey Andrew personally coached me day in and day out. He was a DC. He was a secondary coach. So you're talking about two iconic Hall of Fame individuals in their respectable world in collegiate football right there. Then I get drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Guess who coaches me there? Bill Cowher, Dick LeBeau. I mean, Hall of Fame Mm. individuals, right? Highly respected individuals. Great people, though. All of them are great people, not just in the football world, but in the real world. Great people. And then BC leaves, and then Mike Tomlin, who will be in, in, eventually in the Hall of Fame as right. well. Right. So Bobby Bowden, Mickey Andrews, Dick LeBeau, Bill Cower, 
Mike Tomlin, wow. Keith Butler, Coach Mitch, <laughs> Darren Perry, Ray Orton. Man, the list can go on and on about some of the iconic right. individuals I've been associated with. And I just took a little bit of thing, a little bit of uh, from each individual. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It, that created me and my broadcasting world just from the energy. Bill Cowell loved energy. Yes. You know, he loved passion. You know, he loved attacking every play with energy and passion. Right. You know, Dick LeBeau was a very, very instinctive coach, being able to understand and be prepared what you will see. You know, Mike Tomlin was a relatable coach, all along with well-disciplined and expecting nothing but greatness from you. You know what I mean? So being able to be around those football minds, I have no other choice but to know what I'm talking about when it comes to football because if I didn't learn anything around those individuals, I wasted their time and my time. So, Brian, who influenced you about Jesus? Oh, my mom. Naturally, yes. Yes, yes. My mom was everything, man. She she always thought about, you know, being spiritually rooted and grounded and, and, and praying and believing in what you pray for right. and along with the actions, like I said. Uh and, and she's been she's been the foundation for me uh since day one. Um, like I said, didn't have my father around. Um, but she she was that the, the father to some degree. Um, but she made sure that I was well disciplined and I was respectful, and I and I went about my business in, 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 a, in a professional way before I became a professional. You know what, Brian McFadden, you do not disappoint. Yeah, are, we love you, buddy, brother. I am so happy we had this opportunity. Will you come back sometime? Yeah. Listen, listen. You guys, whenever you guys want me to come back, it's, it's not. I'm ready. Just give me a heads up. Is this? We're all associated together. Like I said, man, you guys were one of the first individuals to give me an interview my rookie year in Latrobe, PA. My first legit interview session was with you guys, and you showed me nothing but love my entire time. There. Yeah. That's the thing I love about the Steeler organization and the Steeler love. When you're a Steeler, you're always a Steeler. Amen. No matter how big your role was on the yeah. team, as long as you were a part of the team and you gave it your all, practice squad player didn't matter. People respect and you love you. And that's why we got the best fans in the world, in my opinion. Brian um, McFadden, thank you, brother. We, we appreciate love you. you. Love you. We hey, love you, buddy. Be well. All yeah. right. We'll talk to you again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. That's Brian McFadden. McFadden. We'll be back with more to wrap up the show. It's Tunch and Wolf in the locker room.